So hey, we're gonna uh, jump into this. I hope, I'm sure that's a little different than what some of you are used to sometimes. And obviously I'm a preacher, I think preaching is very important. Uh, but I want us to get used to the fact too that the Word of God stands alone without any help. And it doesn't need me to help it out. And so sometimes it's good for us just to take some time, just read it, sit in it. Uh, let God speak to you by the Spirit, let the Word stand on its own. Uh, and, and let's get used to just being in the Word like that. Let the Word do the work in your heart and your life. So we're going to jump in here. I have something very uh, short and simple I want to share with you guys. This passage is so important for us because last week we talked about how love is essential, right? So remember, uh, the statement was cohesion is more important than vision if we want to accomplish the mission. How we are doing is more important than where we are going. We're going to keep going after that because we do have a big mission and we are on it and we have a vision for what God wants us to do. And that's important. And we are pursuing that with all that we have. But at the end of the day, we're not going to make it very far if we're not the body God wants us to be. If we don't love each other well. And so we talked about, remember the example was, doesn't matter where you're going if the right people are in the car. So if you have the right people in the car, you go anywhere. If you have the, not the right people in the car, you don't want to go anywhere. It doesn't matter where you're going. If your kids are at peace in the car, you can go anywhere. If they're not at peace in the car, it doesn't matter where you're going. It's miserable. And so what matters really is not where we are going, but who's in the car. And who's in the car will determine really whether we get to where we should go and whether we're able to navigate the differences that God may lead. You know, we have an idea and then God's like, here we go over here. But if the same people are in the car, it's like, okay, let's take a right then. I don't care. Do you care? Do you care? But no, I don't care. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. All right, then let's go. We'll take a right. Oh, we'll do something different. We'll take a left. We'll do that. And so what we have to do is create a culture where we're really unified. We have a vision. We have a mission. And we're going to give ourselves to that. You know, we're going to work it to the bone. But at the end of the day, we have to be unified. We have to pursue that more than anything else. And so we talked about last week how love's the essential ingredient to that. And the warning and the danger was we can, I can build a church without love. You know, I, there's enough equations where if you get certain people, certain kinds of things, whatever, and one plus one equals two, you can do certain things and you go build a church and with programs and all sorts of stuff without the Holy Spirit and without love. And it happens all over the world. And so we don't want to get even close to that because we know it's right there. And we've been talking about this all the time where, listen, most church plants don't start this. They start with like five people in a house and praise God. That's good. And they're sitting around thinking, man, what are we going to do? I don't know. What do you think? We should pray. And then we're sitting here and it's like, oh, I have all these people, all these different things. And the natural human inclination is just to be like, oh, it'll be all right. Everything's going to be fine. We're already somewhat there. And what we have to do is just fight against that. So we've been talking about dependence. We're like little kids. We need the Lord. If it was me and you in here, we would need the Lord. Just as much as however many people are in this room. If money or no money, we need the Lord. So we've been talking about that. We've been talking about mission. But now we've been talking about, hey, who's in the car? Who's in the car? What are our goals? And what we've said over and over again was love. It's essential ingredient. Cohesion, more important than vision. If we want to accomplish the mission, how we are doing, it's more important than where we are going. So part one of that was love's the essential ingredient. Talked about how love covers a multitude of sins. If you missed that or any of our preview messages, there's a City Light Church podcast. If you go on iTunes, Spotify, you can find that. Uh, not trying to rep my sermons, but I think it's important for us all to get on the same page to know what we've been talking about if you've missed one. So last week we talked about love. This week the idea is this. Everyone is necessary. Love is essential. That creates unity. If we really believe that everyone is necessary, that creates unity. 
What this passage teaches us is something very counter to how we think and how we are wired is that in God's mind, in building the church, every person who's a Christ follower has equal value. The preacher or whatever is not more important. If, if I didn't show up or if you didn't show up, it would have, this, it would have consequences both ways. And so when we come together, God says, hey, look, each of you are very important. As a matter of fact, you're necessary for this thing to be what it needs to be. You're necessary. You're necessary for this thing to be what God wants it to be. You're necessary. I'm necessary. We are necessary for this to be what God wants it to be. And one part of this is humility to see everyone like that. To say, I'm going to look around and I'm going to, I'm going to recognize, I'm going to see people like God does, that this person is necessary. I need this person. And some of you who are like me, you hate being needy, right? I try to avoid my whole life needing anything from anybody. I like to be self-sufficient, can handle my own stuff. I don't need your help or whatever. That's kind of my tendency, and I know many of you are like that. And the idea of me being needy or needing someone else for me to accomplish or to be who God really made me to be, I don't necessarily like that idea all the time. And that's our human nature and our sin. And what we have to do is constantly remind ourselves, I need you. You are necessary. So that should produce humility. You look around and say, everyone in this room is equally necessary for God to do something significant with this gathering. It should also give you confidence that, hey, by the grace of God, not because I'm awesome, but because God is, I'm necessary. Yeah, I want you to show up Sunday or wherever or whatever we're doing, but y'all, I'm necessary. <laughs> By God's grace. I'm not awesome. I'm, I'm not that great. But God is, and he lives in me, and the Bible says that I'm necessary. So, therefore, I'm necessary. But to have that idea, not to walk around thinking, well, I should do this, do that, that, or this person really needs to be here, and this person not. What's you have to coach yourself and remind yourself, no matter what it is you're doing, whether it looks important or not, that by the word of God, I am necessary. So we are necessary, you are necessary, I am necessary, everyone is necessary. And the truth here is we will only accomplish to the level at which everyone believes and buys into that. We can make it probably decent, we can probably make a decent difference with like a few people really believing that, you know, and really buying it and showing up, doing things. But if every single one of us bought into that, had the humility to look around and say, man, I really need you, I do. If you don't show up, I miss out on something. And to come up and say, yo, I am necessary. I can't just miss just because. Or I can't just, you know, be in and out. Like, I'm necessary. I am needed for God to maximize what he wants to do. And that's what the scripture is trying to teach us. And that's what I want to dive into today. If we're going to pursue unity, everyone is necessary. Our little sentence for this is, according to God's design, we should all be pursuing the common good. This is straight out of 1 Corinthians 12. By pulling from the same source and playing our unique role. So the idea is to pursue the common good. How do we do that? Well, we pull from the same source. We play our unique role. If you like, you know, things in order, you can make three points. Pursue the common good. Pull from the same source. Play my unique role, our unique role. You can write those down. One, two, three. This is what the, the scriptures, so I'm going to sum up all 1 Corinthians 12. That's what it's saying. We together pursue the common good by pulling from the same source and playing our unique role. Uh, when I was in Alabama visiting a friend, uh, visiting my family there, my parents have like a little creek in their backyard. So we go down to the creek and I had my nephews there and all of their cousins and like it was just, you know, family shebang. So I remember uh, one of my cousins is like, 
She's a six, I don't know, what do, you, what do you call it? It's like a cousin's daughter. I don't know what you call that. Whatever. Second cousin, maybe. Okay, so anyway, she was there. And uh, she was like 16 or something, you know? So she was, you know? And I'm, I'm like that too. So I'm, uh, I'm not going to explore any shade. But 16-year-old girls are probably more on Instagram than someone like me. So she was just on that phone. Uh, and she's a cool cat. She's pretty normal. But she was on that phone. And we were walking around the creek. And it was really funny because we were hanging out, blah, 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 kicking it. We're in nature, you know, and she's like, you know, doing her thing. And eventually you hear, ah! and you look down and she's looking in the water and she had dropped her phone in the water. And she was just standing there like this, like a, a look of unbelief, like my life is over, it's over. I just, what am I going to do here? It's over, my life is over. And she was like screaming, like her sister had just stopped falling in the water and was drowning. And she's like, ah! And uh, my ha I have a, a little a nephew who's like 10, and he's like a nature freak. And uh, he began to devise a plan where like three of them would hold on to each other. They would hold on to him. And he would basically just dive into the, the creek like this, and they would hold his leg, and he would make his way down the ditch there and grab the phone. So it wasn't like something you could just jump in or whatever. It was freezing outside. He was trying not to get wet. Uh, and so I had like, it was like a little eight-year-old girl, and then I think his, his brother is 13 or something, and they had this little chain gang, it was hilarious, and I think I have a picture, I should have brought it, and he's like, he's scaling down the ditch like this, uh, and he ends up grabbing the phone, and they pull him back up, it was an amazing success, I was very impressed with their ingenuity, with their togetherness, with their bond, uh, he got the phone out, she put it in rice, it came back to life, you know, and everybody's like, whoa, this is great, this is awesome. Uh, it was a good day in the house, but I want you to have that picture in mind when we think about what it takes to accomplish something that we need each other. If we're really going to reach down, reach out, try to save, try to change people's lives, if we're really going to do what God wants us to do, we have to chain up. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. We have to come together, have a common goal, chain up, and make it happen. We need each other. I want you to have that picture in mind as we talk about this. I really believe with all my heart, one of Satan's greatest tricks to limit the power of the church is to turn it into a show and make people believe that only a few people are necessary. If we have a show and the show goes on, then the people that run the show are necessary. Everyone else can come or go as they please, but as long as the show goes on, the thing goes on. And that is a, a little trick I think has been used to make it seem like there are certain people that are necessary for a church to function and certain people that are not. And that is not true in the Bible. We see as a matter of fact here that God thinks the opposite where he values the less honorable thing. What we would think is great, we have the wrong definition for it. What we would think is needed, we have the wrong definition for it. And God generally thinks the opposite of we do. We're going to see that in a minute. What we'll really see today is that everyone who operates, everyone operating in their gifting is the key to unleashing the power of the church. So everyone operating in their gifting. Now, you may be like, man, you read all those different gifts. I don't even know, miracle, whatever, what, what's going on with all that. And I'm going to say for a second, we're going to lay that to a side. And we are going to take some time in a series not too far along because I think it's really important to walk through spiritual gifts. Help us understand what we believe, what we're saying, what we're pursuing. But today, for now, I want you to see the underlying principles of what's happening. What are the underlying principles that uphold the idea that we need to operate in our spiritual gifts? So let's look at that, and then we'll get back to the spiritual gifts conversation in more detail, not too far down the road. So, number one, we saw we need to pursue the common good. First Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Over the next several chapters, you're going to see a theme that says we should strive to excel in building up the church. 
I use my gifts so I can build up the church, so that the church may be built up, 14.5. Let all things be done for the building up. So I want you to understand you are part of the construction crew for the body and the thing God is building. You are a builder. It's not just me. It's not just whoever you might think is leading something. We are the builders. We're all bringing our brick and mortar, our gift, and we're applying it and we're building something together. And my brick and mortar may be teaching the Bible at times. I think that's what God wants me to do. And your brick and mortar might be serving with the kids, having a servant's heart or being hospitable or whatever it is that God has equipped you to do. We're all bringing our brick and mortar equal value. We're putting them together and we're building something. But everyone's a part of this construction crew. Everyone. We're all needed to build this together. How many of you have worked like landscaping or, or construction? Let me show me. Not that many, man. Some of y'all need to get out there in the world and do something hard. Okay, so uh, I did landscaping for like all my life until I was a pastor. I did landscaping all the way through college and everything. That was pretty much my jam. Uh, and you always had, if you've done landscaping or construction, there's always a few doofuses who try to avoid work. You know who those guys are? At, when, I, when I did landscaping at Liberty University, which is a big university, there was always those couple guys who, there was a Sonic nearby, and they would drive the golf cart to Sonic, and they would go sit at Sonic on the clock and drink their slushies, do whatever it is they wanted to do. You know, there would be guys who would find shade somewhere hidden in some random grassy place over there on their mower, and they would just kick back for an hour and go to sleep. Uh, and I was never one of those guys. I was always working very diligently and hard, never cutting corners. I was a very mature 20-year-old. That's not true, by the way. I was, I like Sonic. I was a big Sonic fan. I was a part of that. But, uh, you always have those guys that are doing that. And it's so frustrating because a couple of things happen. Number one, division happens because you're mad the other guy's not doing his fair share. So now division has happened where it's unnecessary. It doesn't need to be there. You guys could be unified accomplishing one goal, but because a couple people aren't invested and involved, division begins to happen. The second thing that happens with that is you just don't get as much done. You do not, no matter how much slack some hard worker tries to pick up, you do not accomplish what you could have accomplished if everybody was bought in. You just don't. And you may be able to get a lot done because you have a few people that are really great and they mow really fast, you know, and it's like things are okay, but it's not what it could be. And sometimes I think when, in church, we settle for what's okay and we don't go after what could be. We're like, yo, this is good enough. Like, we got, we got things going, we're moving forward, and we got to constantly push to say, man, it's not what it could be. Not if everybody bought in, it's not what it could be. If everybody brought their gift, it would look different than this. If everybody was fully invested, it would look different than this. If everybody came with their brick and mortar to build something together, it would look different. It's not what it could be. And sometimes we see this as well in the church where there's division being built and happening because people aren't necessarily on the same page. Some people are doing more than others. They always say in church life, 10% of your people do 90% of the work. And that's generally true, I've noticed, in most life phases and stuff. And that just naturally creates bitterness, jealousy, envy. You just can't help it. You're naturally going to begin to say, man, that person's done this, whatever. They're not going to say, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that. And then that's when burnout happens, or that's when bitterness happens, and that's when relationships begin to crumble. And one of the ways that we can build unity with each other and quit any gossip or fighting or any of that stuff that may happen that Satan wants to bring in is by all of us being in the mission together by using our gifts. How many of y'all have been on a mission trip overseas? Or any, any kind of mission trip where you just go for seven days and that's all you do, right? Uh, you make some of your best friends on that trip. This, I haven't been to a mission trip, but there's a whole lot of fighting happening. 
a whole lot of arguing, a whole lot of bickering, gossiping. I did just, I'm sure it happens, right? I'm not saying all mission trips are perfect, but I am saying that there's something unique about being fully invested in something without distraction that allows a team of people who've never met each other to bond in a way that's like being in college for four years. And all of a sudden, you're the closest people in the world because you bonded. I mean, I think those of you who did BBS last week, yo, like, we were tired. I mean, Friday, I was, like, happy, but I was, like, dead. I was, like, man, I'm too old for this now. I used to have more energy than this. I got too many kids. I don't know. But, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was fired up. Thursday, I was, like, all right, this is pretty good. Then I had to go teach. So I wasn't even here the whole time. And then Friday, I was, like, man, let's get to the finish line. We got this, you know. And, and then we ended, and we're supposed to have like a big volunteer, you know, hurrah and party, and everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> we're eating ice cream, like, all right, let's go home, you know, like, we're so tired. But it was that togetherness that created a unity and a bond amongst us, where we gave up something together. We were equally tired. And the fact that you were tired like me made me bond with you. The fact that you did this all week with me, and you gave up what you could be doing at night to do that with me made me bond with you. And the fact that we were doing that together and having our crazy memories and laughing, seeing kids come to know Jesus, seeing kids run around like crazy, seeing kids hit dodgeballs at each other, trying to crowd, you know, all these different things begins to create unity. Because we're involved in the mission together and everybody's bought in. And so that's what we got to be as a church. Everybody bought in, everybody bringing their gifts, everybody being used by God. Something we see really throughout the scriptures is important for us is God doesn't primarily work through songs and sermons, but saints. God does not primarily work through songs and sermons, but saints. God doesn't work through programs, strategies, ideas. He doesn't work through songs and sermons. He does, obviously works through songs and sermons because they're being delivered by a person of God. He works through saints. He works through his people. And by saints, I don't mean, you know, really great people or whatever. I mean people that have trusted in Jesus. You don't have to be perfect to be a saint. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He's perfect for you. That's the whole point. You're a saint because Jesus is perfect, not because you're perfect. But God calls you saint. Isn't that wonderful? He calls you a saint. And you ain't a saint. You know that. I'm not a saint either. But by the grace of God, I am. And what we have to learn is God doesn't work through songs and sermons with saints. And therefore, you and I have the equal amount of potential for God to work through us. Because we're his saints. We're his people. It's not programs that move the needle. It's people. And God wants to work through you. So... That's number one. We're pursuing the common good together. We're after this goal together. This is why love is essential, because if we don't love the good that could come, we won't pursue it. So if the love's not there, there's nothing to pursue. Who cares how this goes? Who cares if we reach people? Who cares if you feel loved? If I don't love you, I'm not going to care about that. And so love has to be essential. It has to come first. And if we love the community, we love each other, then we're going to pursue the common good. We're going to be excited that supernatural theme begins to happen where I'm legitimately happy for you. Like as if you were like my kid or something, you know? Or if it was me. It does, the only, only God can do that where it makes you as happy for someone else's success as if you've done it yourself. And let's get to that place where we're genuinely excited to see the common good, whether I get any praise or not. We need to get there. So we all pursue that. So you have to love. Okay, second thing, real quick, pulling from the same source. So you pursue the common good, we pull from the same source. Look in verses 4, 5, and 6. Same Spirit, same Lord, same God who empowers them all. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. We're pulling from the same source. What we see is that the common good is anything but common. It's supernatural. It comes from a supernatural source. It produces a supernatural outcome. So the common good is not common. 
It's supernatural. It can only be done by the Lord. And it's a supernatural source that we pull from. Same Spirit, same Lord, same God. Who quick theology thing in there. It's pointing to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he gives it to all as he wills. But it's about the same Spirit. Here, we need to write this down. The key to success in ministry isn't perfecting your skill, but pulling from the right source. The key to being effective in ministry is not for you to perfect your skill, what you're good at. It is to pull from the right source. It's to be pulling from the Lord, to be getting His wisdom, His leadership, His, what, His counsel, whatever it may be. There's two things I want to notice about this real quick. Number one is that we all have the same source, as we've said, different gifts, but the same source. This means we can have equal impact. So the significance isn't your role, but your source. All roles have equal value when they come from the same source. So I can preach a sermon, not pulling from the source of the Lord, and it'd be useless. You can have a two-minute conversation greeting someone, full of the Spirit, and it could change their life. You see what I'm saying? It's the source that makes the difference, not the skill set. So if we're pulling from the same source, no matter what we're doing, it matters. No matter what we're doing, it has supernatural impact. So you can do a really good thing without the right source and, and do nothing. You can do something that appears insignificant from the right source and it'd be everything. And so we have to pull from the right source, which means number two, we need to plug in. John 15, 4, abide in Christ. He who doesn't abide in me can bear no fruit. You cannot make a difference apart from abiding in Jesus, from getting the source. But if you go to the source, you're going to make a world of difference. You're going to be able to do more than you could ever imagine. We need to plug in. The charger in my car does not work. It maintains, but it doesn't rise the charge. It's really bizarre. So it turns green, and then if it's at 50% when we started, it's at 50% when we got home. It doesn't go down. It doesn't go up. It doesn't really do much. When we go home and plug it in, it does the normal things, and it goes up. So what the issue is isn't the phone, but the source. And the same is true for us. We've got to plug into the right source. And you know what makes the difference with your charge? This is true in Christianity. It's how long you stay plugged in. If I stay plugged in for 10 minutes, I go from 50 to 60. If I stay plugged in for 30 minutes, I go, you know, maybe up to 100. I haven't counted how long it takes. The longer I stay plugged in, the more charged I get. And this is true for us. It's, listen, it's better to read the Bible for a minute than not at all. But your life's not going to change very much if you're doing that. The longer you stay plugged in, the more energy you get from the Lord. The more wisdom, the more things that you need, you get from the Lord. The longer you're there. So no, it's not legalism and it's not like duty to say, well, 20 minutes is better than 10. 30 is better than 20. It's just a question of how, how charged do you want to be? You want to be full? Just overflowing in the spirit? Do you even know what that feels like? To be full of the Spirit of God? To be fully charged? I mean, God can do crazy things. You know, you remember in Acts 4, uh, the disciples are like these fishermen, right? And the, these guys who are smart are like, what is, what is happening through these common men? These dudes are just like, you know, common men. And nothing special about them. They haven't studied anywhere. And it says, the next line is, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They were pulling from the right source. And with the power of God, he, drew, he took a, com, a bunch of common men and changed the world. Because they had been with Jesus. This is so important, guys. If we spend time with Jesus and pursue abiding in him, God will do more in and through us than we ever could imagine. 
It's true for me, but it's equally true for you. If you come into this gathering fully charged, man, just with the Lord, doesn't mean life is perfect or whatever, but you've just been with the Lord. You're prioritizing Him in your walk. You come in charged, man, you're ready to go. And everything you do will have full max power from the Lord. But we need to plug in. We got pulled from the right source. We got to plug in. And the difference your life is going to make is really how long you stay plugged in. And how much charge do you have? Finally, number three, play our unique role. I love this in uh, verse 18. It is, uh, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has done this arrangement. I love this truth. Listen to this. God has arranged this group of people. Like specifically, not, not as an accident. God has arranged it. Like he's, a, he's an orchestra leader and he needs to play the right instruments to produce the sound. And he thought, man, I need while I'm here to do that. I need Nate to do this. I need Joy to do that. I need Taylor to do this. I need you to do that. I need boom, 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 boom. And he's like, I need them here. And he's arranged that. And I can see it. There's people like Roxanne I didn't know three weeks ago, you know. That all of a sudden I'm like, yo, I'm a part of this. I'm going to see what God's going to do. And he's done that for a reason. And then happy, you know, it's like, oh, the Lord just brought you into this thing. And just God's arranging it. He's the orchestra leader. He's the coach. And he thought, I want this outcome, so I need you. I need you here. Not just in this room for Sunday service, but a part of this body. So he picked you up and said, you should go to City Light tonight. And you showed up here at 5 o'clock. Not by accident. Look at this. God has arranged the members. He has assigned it. So we play our unique role, number one, according to God's assignment. You have an assignment by God to make a difference in this body and in this community. You've been assigned by God. You've been empowered by the Spirit and assigned by God. And He said, go there, be a part of this body and play this role. And if all of you are singing in that together, playing your role, it's going to make a beautiful sound. You have to think about how crazy it is that God has arranged this, each and every one of you. This is not an accident. This isn't a random group of people who've decided to do something. God has pulled you out, chosen you, pointed you in a direction, equipped you with years of experience or whatever it is that you have, given you a gift by the Holy Spirit, and sent you to this place and said, if you do life with this person, this person, this person, if you participate in this church, you're going to flourish. The people around you are going to flourish. And what I want to see happen is going to happen because you were there. And because you did it together. I can't get over it. I just didn't even think about this. This was one of those, like, when I'm preparing a sermon, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. But, like, you think about all the different things, conversations I've had trying to get people involved, and I'm like, man, God's the orchestra leader. God's the one picking people up. I mean, God's the one arranging this thing to be what it needs to be. So God has arranged that you would be here. And therefore, he's given you an assignment that's very important. So give your all to God's assignment. Play your role. Number two, according to God's assessment. So we play our role according to God's assignment. We play our role according to God's assessment. Verse 21, I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Head to the feet can't say, I don't need you. Here's the thing we talked about earlier. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weak are indispensable. These parts we think are less honorable. God bestows greater honor. God has composed the body, verse 24, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. According to God's assessment, the gifts of the Lord are not given by hierarchy. They're not top down. God doesn't give more important gifts or less important gifts. I love this. If you, you read this through, right? What we would think is dispensable is indispensable according to God. 
indispensable. The things we would say, oh, you can just throw that away. We don't really need that. God would say, no, uh -uh. that's not dispensable. You cannot let that go. So what we think is indispensable, or what dispensable God thinks is indispensable, what we think is less honorable, God gives the greater honor. What we think is unnoticeable, God takes special notice of. And this just plays it out to say, man, each one of us has been given this assignment according to God's assessment, understanding that everything we do here is valuable. Everything we do here matters. Everything we do together moves the ball forward. And if we believe that, live out our assignment, we view ourselves and others through God's assessment, then we can really make a difference and live this out together. So just as we close out, you may be thinking, man, how do I discover my gifting? This is great talk, Nate, but I don't actually know what I'm supposed to do. How can I best serve the church? That's a really great question. I have an answer for you. On October, starting on the first Sunday, we're going to have a four-session class called Basic Training, where you discover how you've been designed, both in terms of your personality and spiritual gifting, where you discover how God's wired you, how he wants to, how he wants to use you, where you learn how to make disciples at a very basic level, what's the most basic thing you need to make disciples, and then you get placed on a team so that you're serving according to your assignment. So instead of just saying, hey, I want to do this, let me put me there, which is kind of what we've been doing, we're all going to go through this class together, and it's going to be one, two, three, four every month. It's going to be four classes that rotate. So every month we're running a new basic training class. And we want everybody to go through it so that you, A, can become members and be committed to this body, and B, be equipped, understanding who God has made you to be and being placed in a specific area to let that flourish. So we want to partner with you in helping you understand that and realize what God's done in your life. So the first Sunday of October, after we have service and as we're eating together, the people who want to be a part of that training will break off. We'll do that for 30, 45 minutes together. We'll do that each week, four weeks in a row. After you finish the four weeks, you're officially a member with us and you will be placed on a team to serve according to how God has gifted you. So we hope to partner with you in doing that. Finally, as you see here at the end, I love this. We've just been talking about the result of all this is unity. He says in verse 25 that there may be no division in the body. So what's the result of all of us pursuing this, of living this out, our assignment, according to God's assessment, man, understanding our value, that everyone's necessary? Well, the end result is unity. There's no division in the body. This is the kind of unity that produces corporate suffering and rejoicing. So to, just to close up, when, I, when we had finished with the whole thing, you know, with the phone and they had done all that, man, it was like the story of the day. And it was like a party in the house. And man, the, the Canon, this 11-year-old, he told that story like 10 times how he saved the day. And then she'd be like, yo, I was there too. They'd be party, yeah, good job, you did this, you did that. And we saved your phone and now it's working and Bailey's so happy because her phone works. And it was just like a party the rest of the day. I don't even think they fought anymore that day. They weren't arguing about anything. They were just so excited to have teamed up to have accomplished something. And it was amazing. And they were all like, yes, this is great. And instead of what normally 8, 10, 12-year-olds do and fight with each other, they were unified. And they were excited. And that's exactly what God expects of us. And that's exactly what the result will be if we chain up. So if we chain up and everybody understands their gifting and calling, everyone lives according to their assignment and gives their all to it, unity is going to be the byproduct. And a unity we can celebrate because it has accomplished something. So love is essential and everyone is necessary. If we live by those two things, we're really going to be who God wants us to be. So let me go ahead and have uh, the band come up. Let me pray for us. Just as we close out in a song, I know it's a little later than, than normal, but that's okay. We took extra time to pray. I think the Lord thinks that's all right. So uh, let, me, let me pray for us and just ask the Lord, hey, Lord, like I'm committed to you and what you have for me. Just continue to lead me in this.
Help me to give my all to it. Clarify for me how you've built and wired me, what you want me to do. I'm all yours. And just surrender to whatever it is the Lord is assigning you to and how he wants to use you. So just go ahead and do that with the Lord and then they'll lead us in, in the last song as we close out.